You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of Special Reports on Legal Talk Network. This is Lawrence Coletti and I'm the host for today's show. We are currently at the Appaloosa Grill on 16th Street in Denver, Colorado, catching up with David Latt. Of course, he's the founder and managing editor of Above the Law. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Lawrence. Well, David, you're here in Denver at a uh, speaking event that has your name on it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So it's called Above the Law, Underneath Their Robes, and Everything in Between. David Latt's Supreme Ambitions. And you're doing this for the Colorado Lawyers Chapter of the Federalist Society. So can you just give us a general description of that event? We'll get into specifics later. Yeah, I think uh, it'll probably be a chat about my own particular career path uh, in terms of practicing law and then uh, writing about it as now a blogger and journalist. Uh, So I think that will be it. It'll be a pretty relaxed, informal event. Uh, There should be time for some questions. And uh, yeah. Okay, well, during my preparation for our interview today, I read your book, Supreme Ambitions. And after reading it, I thought that I would focus on that because that seemed sure. to sort of cover the area here of your speaking event. And so I just wanted, uh, as we get started, if you could, for the benefit of our audience, give us the general the general 50,000 yes. foot synopsis of the book. Yeah, so Supreme Ambitions is the story of a young Yale Law grad who, right after graduation, goes out to California to clerk for a judge on the Ninth Circuit. And the Yale Law grad is a young woman named Audrey. Her boss is a uh, judge named uh, Christina Wong Stinson. And both women have their own ambitions. For Audrey, her ambition is to clerk for the U.S. Supreme Court, which is a very high honor for a young lawyer. For Judge Stinson, her ambition is to sit on the Supreme Court. And so uh, high-profile chamber uh, cases pass through chambers, and... uh, there are definite complications, and uh, people have to figure out what they're willing to do to advance their ambitions. Uh, so I have a couple of shorthands I give for the book. One is it's a little bit like Devil Wears Prada meets the federal judiciary uh, because you have two uh, women, one very powerful woman at the peak of her professional power and a younger woman who is like a protege or a mentee. Uh, another description I give for it is it's like if John Grisham wrote a legal thriller about civil procedure, uh, because I don't want to spoil it, but there are some plot twists that turn on CivPro. Gotcha, gotcha. So one of the things I appreciated about it was the, uh, neo- and uh, hopefully I pronounce this right, the neologisms that were featured in there. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. And so I noticed you sprinkled those in there, and these are the ones that are featured in Black's Law Dictionary by Editor-in-Chief Brian, Brian Garner. And so uh, anyway, I just wanted to, I thought that was a great move for people that follow your work and they read you on Twitter, they see that pops up, and I just thought that that was, you know, a fantastic way to sort of... Uh, I guess, reach out to the people that regularly follow you. Yes, I thought it was fun to actually sneak in some of those coinages uh, into the book. Uh, I thought that they would be almost like inside jokes to people who have been, like you said, people who have been reading me in other media. That's great. That's great. And so I buttered you up for this next question. So (laughs) that was kind of what that was about. But also, I kind of wanted to talk about it as well. But uh, one of the things that really jumped out at me at this book is I'm a lawyer just like you are. Political views, race, gender, sexual preferences, you know, these were elements that were very much part of the federal judiciary in your story. And they played a role not just in the law clerks selecting the judges that they ultimately wanted to work for, but the judges would select law clerks and they would make decisions. And so because you have this experience, how true to the how true to form is that in the real federal courts? 
Hard to say because every judge is different and every court is different. Uh, judge Richard Posner of the Seventh Circuit recently uh, posted, along with a law professor, Mitu Gulati, an interesting paper on how judges run their chambers. And I linked to it on Twitter. And this paper kind of captures how many different models there are for hiring clerks, supervising clerks. I guess the short answer to your question is... Uh, Eh, it depends, <laughs> which depends. is not really a short answer it's at all. It's a very lawyer answer, too. Yeah, because I think there are some judges who hire clerks with an eye to ideology, and there are other judges who, who do not. I would probably say the majority of federal judges do not pay attention to it, but maybe, I don't know, if I had to estimate, I don't know, a quarter, a third, it may be a factor. Okay. Uh, and also, it's also a factor for the law clerks, too, because... If you're a law clerk trying to figure out which judge to work for, uh, you probably want to pick a judge who is in line with your view of the world. Okay. Family. This was a big part of your book. And so uh, the main character, Audrey, you know, she talked. Uh, actually, the opening scene in the book was uh, her on the phone with her, with her mother. And, uh, you know, she's going, uh, walking down the street. And so, but it goes beyond that. You know, she talks about her parents, the influence that had yes. on her and her drive for success, these ambitions to go forward, and all of these goals in her life. And so I wanted to ask you a personal question. Your parents, how important have they been for you to achieve your goals and to, and to be where you are today? Oh, well, very, hugely important. Uh, I would say family is, as you note, a big theme in the book. Uh, Audrey, like myself, is Filipino-American, and uh, certainly... Filipinos were very tight with our family and uh, her parents like my parents are Asian American immigrants and I think immigrants again uh, this varies from family to family but historically a lot of them have placed a very high priority on the things that you might be familiar with just in terms of education and hard work and for many immigrants I think Working in a profession was a stepping stone to moving up in their new country in the United States. So certainly for my parents, they definitely encouraged me to go to law school uh, after I graduated from college. Uh, I was just an English major, and I was thinking, well, maybe I'll go get a job afterwards. But my parents were very encouraging of me going into law. And in the end, we've written a lot on Above the Law about whether or not it's a good idea to go to law school, but I certainly have no regrets about it. Uh, I had a great time in law school, and I use that education now, too. Yeah, no, I think parents are very important. You know, that I, I learned how to work hard from my mother and learned how to work smart from my dad, <laughs> you know. And, uh, you know, I, I still, to, to this day in my professional career, I often, it, there's like, I wouldn't say two shoulders, you know, like the devil and the angel. Okay. You know, not that I'm going to call my mother, a, uh, you know, a devil or an angel, but <laughs> I always feel they're conscious with me, you know. Yes. So when I'm, when I'm looking at matters of right and wrong, I often wonder what my parents would think. Yes, that's you know, true. Based on a, a certain course of action. So I think that's great. But I want to ask you something else. Now, yep. you're a pretty accomplished guy, and it obviously involved a lot of hard work, a very ambitious discipline. You know, you had to invest your time. I'm sure you didn't always get to go out and hang out the way you wanted to because that would get in the way with what you're, what you're trying to accomplish. And so I think this is one that successful people grapple with, and that's relationships. Mm -hmm. And so you've got your ambitions yep. versus your relationships. And so I know in my life, I've definitely probably harmed quite a few very important relationships in my life through law school and, you know, coming out and working long hours. And so I wanted to ask you, as you've come up doing the things that you want, and it's, and it's impressive resume, did you find yourself lonely during some of those times? 
Yeah, you know, that's, that's a really interesting question. I would probably say yes, but I don't even know that I realized it. Okay. Because I think when you are younger and you're pouring yourself into your work and your career, you let yourself get consumed by it. And you are lonely, but you may not even acknowledge it to yourself. And to the extent that you feel lonely or blue, you just kind of think, well, let me just focus on my work. And uh, it can be a little bit sad sometimes when you think about, say, these law firm associates who are working thousands of hours a year at these firms and they don't have time for their relationships. I love to talk to uh, Ed Hayes, this colorful New York lawyer who was the basis for the lawyer character Tommy Killian in Bonfire of the Vanities. Ed is one of the blurbers for my book, and every uh, now and then he and I get together for lunch. And he just comments on when he hears about these lawyers who are working thousands of hours, he said, you know, when do these folks have time for a personal life? When do they have time to fall in love? When do they have time to start a family? And those are good questions because I don't know when they do. Uh, Oftentimes, they end up with colleagues because maybe they're the only people that they see. Uh, Not that there's anything wrong with that. You can find great people at your firm, but... uh, it, I agree. It can be, it can be being a, for being a driven young professional, it can be a very lonely existence at times. That's a great segue into my next question. I know it's a series of personal questions, so thank you for uh, humoring me. But uh, friendships. You know, I, I have found uh, my, uh, my friendships in law to be very durable. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things that, um, that really sort of reached out to me in your book was Audrey. I mean, despite the fact that she, main character, she's hardworking, coming out of Yale, trying to get these clerkships and wants to eventually go work at the Supreme Court. And, uh, you know, her friendship with her friend Jeremy from her first year, you know, carries through three years and they go through some hard stuff, but they stay friends. And I've noticed that that's one of the things I very much appreciate about the practice of law is that my friends that I haven't seen in many years, I can call them up and pick up right where we left off and how important that is. And so how important has that been to you as you've worked so hard? I mean, do you still call back on people that you were in law school with? Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. I think I, I've been very fortunate to have some very durable friendships and people that I've just known for years. Uh, I would say that part of the book was inspired in a way by the very close friendships I have with my three co-clerks. It was just such a special year for me. I clerked for Judge O'Scanlan up in Portland, Oregon. A little bit different from Audrey in the book, who clerks in Pasadena. But that year was just such a great year. I had such a wonderful relationship with my judge and my co-clerks. And in writing the book, I almost wanted to relive that year, even though our time in Chambers was very different from what Audrey goes through. And so I think uh, friendships uh, in the legal profession can be very enduring. Partly it's a function of the fact that you're in the trenches together, whether you're working at a law firm, whether you're working in a prosecutor's office, or whether you're working in law school, you just spend so much of your time with folks that you just build these very strong bonds. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I think uh, almost sort of misery loves company. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm still friends with people I took the bar exam with, and that's a relatively short time when yep. you look at the horizon versus law school. And uh, it's amazing what an intense experience will do to yep. forge friendships. So. Next thing I want to talk about is ambitions. Mm-hmm. And so obviously this is a very central theme in your book. And uh, I, love, I love the way you wrote. I felt like I was with law school pals when I, was reading, when I was reading your book. And so I think it was very realistic. And I think the thoughts, and I remember the way that I used to think when I was back at that age, when I was 24, yep. you know, I, I remember. And um, I got the impression 
from some of the characters and the conversations and the inner thinking that they're very accomplished and they've been planning all of these goals for a very long time. But I'm not sure they were aware why they were doing that. <laughs> and did you yes. find that? I mean, yes, okay. absolutely. And I think in a way, the Audrey character has some similarities with me in the sense that when you're young and you're ambitious, and lawyers are often like this, you're jumping through hoops. You graduate from college, you get into law school, you graduate from law school, you take the bar. And it's really just one hoop after another. And a lot of times law students and young lawyers don't stop to think, well, to what end? What is the purpose of jumping through all of these hoops? And so I wanted to actually explore that issue in this book. And there are times when Audrey takes a break from grasping after brass rings to ask herself, well, what is this all about? And is she interested in the law or is she just interested in the sense of approval or prestige that you get from being good at it? So it's definitely a theme that I explore in this book. And it's something that I've dealt with and many other lawyers and law students have dealt with over the course of our lives and careers. Well, I think it's so hard, uh, you know, especially in the role that, that, these, that, that clerks and, and, and yourself too, you know, in the federal courts, you're so young when you get there. And the requisite life experience that I think the general public would expect somebody in such an important position, they don't have it at 24. You you just don't have that many years in the hourglass uh, to give to it at that point. And so, you know, I just think that that's a very, very common theme. And it's something that really, another theme that I think this book is a great one from lawyers to lawyers is that you can really relate to that. Yeah, absolutely. I think going back to what you were saying earlier, Lawrence, just about relationships and family, I think when you are that young and you have such little experience, it's very easy to just focus on school and career and not think about the important things like relationships and friendships and family. Partly it may also be a function of, not to be morbid, but if you're young, you may not also have experienced much loss in your life. And so if you haven't lost the people that you really care about, you kind of think, oh, they'll be here forever. So why don't I just focus on my career and my world conquest? Because, well, I'll have all the time in the world to deal with, to spend time with my parents or my siblings or my friends, uh, when you may not necessarily. It depends. I I think that's something that um, a lot of people that have gone out, whether it's uh, medicine or law, can relate to for sure. For sure. I think the life experience definitely plays a role in that. So correlations to real life in in, uh, Supreme Ambitions and uh, that was one of the things I was looking forward to when I read your book because I, I heard a little bit, read a little bit about it, and obviously you're using fake names for a lot of people, but mm-hmm. you use real names for cases and yep. you use real names for bloggers. Yep. And so I was looking forward to seeing who these characters that you created, who are they in real life? <laughs> and so I don't want to give away too much. I, I want people to explore that for themselves, but I found two characters that I think... <laughs> emulate you or you emulate them. I, I, I can't remember the order here, but, uh, and I'm not going to give away one of them because it's part of a key part uh, of the yes, plot. Yeah. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to okay. mention that person, but I did notice that, uh, Audrey, you have yep. incredible similarities mm-hmm. to Audrey. And, and I remember you talking about this in an interview with Lee Rawls, yep, uh, yep. one of our shows, oh, yes, uh, exactly. Modern Law Library. And so, you know, she went, she has a sister, you have a sister. She went to Harvard, you went to Harvard. Yep. Yale, same thing yep. for law school. And so I, I just wanted to ask, you know, what other similarities uh, do you have with Audrey? Well, certainly the educational background, certainly the uh, Asian American background, and certainly what we were talking about earlier in terms of uh, jumping through hoops, but then not necessarily being sure of what it's all about. I think now that I have more perspective, I have a better read on these things, but it did allow me to go back and 
plumb the depths of my youthful psyche, I guess. Uh, so I think psychologically, we do have a lot of similarities. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to butter you up with this next <laughs> one because I've got one last after that question to ask you. It's, it's, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. But first, I'm going to butter you up with some style that I really appreciate okay. in your book. I, I like the way that you use quotes in the book. And I liked how there was reoccurring quotes. Oh, yes. And mm-hmm. so each time one of the quotes was repeated, it had a more and more profound impact on the character. Yes. And so it was kind of like the tide coming in. Yeah. So every time that <laughs> oh, wave would come in, come a little further in. And huh. so I, I really appreciate it. And I don't know where you got that style. What was the inspiration for doing that? I don't know. You know, actually, it's funny. I think maybe the inspiration from that would be almost less literary and more from the world of film or television. Okay. Because I feel those media focus a lot more on that, where you'll have some famous quote from a movie and it will be repeated. Say it'll be uttered by a character earlier on, and then near the end, it'll be uttered at a climactic moment. So I think maybe that was what I was going for with with respect to that. I think that's probably what I was thinking. But I think there's some truth to it or some reality in the sense that a lot of times some saying that maybe your grandfather told you will come back to you at some moment of crisis or some moment of importance in your life. Uh, so I felt that was actually a realistic thing too. Okay. Don, I appreciate it. That was great. So here's the question I was buttering up for. So I'm going to put you on the spot. It's, it's not bad, but, so, but <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot anyway. So now you've had a lot of accomplishments in your life. So you, you graduated from undergrad from Harvard. Um, you've graduated Yale Law School. You were a law clerk at the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. You were an associate at Wachtell, Lipton, Rosen, and Katz. You were the assistant U.S. attorney, editor for Wonkat. You're a freelance uh, writer since 2004. You're the founder and managing editor of Above the Law. Now you're an author of your very first book, uh, Supreme Ambition. So I think it would be fair to say that people could say that David Latt has supreme ambitions. <laughs> and so now here's my question. I'm putting you on the spot here. So being that there is always somewhere else to go always, <laughs> what's next? What's on your bucket list, David? Well, actually, kind of going back to what we, you were, we were discussing earlier before we started taping, uh, the next thing is I need to plan a wedding. Okay. <laughs> so my fiancé and I, he and I are getting married in September and so I actually am very focused on that right now. Okay. Uh, it's funny. People often ask, with the book being done, oh, are you going to work on some other project? Are you going to write a sequel? Are you going to do another website? But for me right now, I think I want to take it one step at a time, and maybe after September, then I will try and figure out what's next. But uh, for now, I'm, I'm putting that on the front burner. Gotcha. So that's the next adventure. Yes, exactly. And it is no <laughs> small feat. <laughs> no, no, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. So, well, listen, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you coming down. I know you've got a busy schedule, but uh, it was great catching up with you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Lawrence. So if not for listeners, and I just want to uh, uh, do a little shout out for them, but if they wanted to reach you, you know, learn a little bit more about what you do or follow you in, in some way, what's, where's the best place to reach yeah, you? Yeah, so uh, you can find me on Twitter, at David Latt, L-A-T. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on LinkedIn. In, and you can also reach us uh, through uh, the Above the Law email, which is just tips at com, which goes to me, but it also goes to all of my colleagues. So if anyone has a story that might be interesting for us to write about on the site, uh, please give us a holler. Okay, that sounds great. Well, this has been another edition of Special Reports. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Until next time, thank you for listening. 
The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.